The following program is sponsored by Cleveland Right to Life and is responsible for its content. Welcome to From the Median, a daily report from the front line of the pro-life movement, discussing two worldviews that are driving our culture in opposite directions. From the Median asks, which side of the road are you on? What direction do you want our culture to go? Tune in as we plan the route that takes us back to the culture of life. And now your host, Molly Smith. Good evening and welcome to From the Median, where we are concerned with the middle ground, not just to understand both sides of an argument, but also to awaken the consciences of those who are neutral or indifferent to this, the greatest civil rights movement of all times, the pro-life movement. Listeners, as always, thank you so much for joining us. It's always wonderful to welcome you every night when, or every day, whenever it depends on what time you're listening to me. But it, it's it's great. And I want to honestly thank you all for your loyalty to listening to the program and for the fact that you're spreading it everywhere because our podcast, we had a little bit of a bump as, as, as we were going over and changing websites, etc. But things is all back together again. So please pass on the podcast as you download them. My guest right now joining us, and I've been waiting to talk with her for a long time. She's a wonderful woman, and, and I read a lot of her information that she puts out through the Alliance Defending Freedom. Erin Morrow-Hawley is a Senior Counsel Vice President of Center for Life and Regulatory Practices at the Alliance for Freedom, Alliance Defending Freedom, rather. She's worked before the Supreme Court. She's worked as, as a clerk, actually. She's the former law clerk of the U.S. Supreme Court Justice John G. Roberts. Wow. And I'm just amazed because I, when I get somebody that has done so much as you have, Erin, it's, it's always such a pleasure to have you on the program and bring your wisdom to what we are trying to do. So this is great. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Erin, we wanted to get you on the program because you very recently wrote a very interesting article about what had happened to Britney Spears. She wrote a book and she revealed in this book something that was which we all know as pro-lifers, we know this. However, it's such a sad, sad situation. Tell us a little bit about this this whole situation. Sure, absolutely. So I think what we hear so often from the pro-abortion media and Planned Parenthood is this idea that women want to have an abortion, that they should shout their abortions, and that this is really all about women's choice. Um, but when I think you, when you look at the numbers, when you look at the data, when you talk to women who have had abortions or even been forced into them, uh, there, there is nothing approaching uh, a free choice. Uh, to think just about the numbers, um, approximately 70% of women say that if they would have been in a different situation they would have chosen to parent. And this, this again, uh, we should give women real choice. Uh, we should not tell them uh, that abortion is, is the easy way out, uh, a way to get rid of uh, all of their problems. Um, but when so many of them tell us that they actually just wish their circumstances uh, were different, they wish they had more support um, and that that would have enabled them uh, to make a different decision. Uh, so, so I think this idea of abortion being being something that gives women choice is really such a false narrative. And it was sort of up close and personal in this book from Brittany Spears. She wrote this book called The Woman in Me, um, in which she actually describes the the trauma, the sadness, the loss that she 
experienced as a result of an abortion that she had. Um, I guess the father of the, of the mother at the time was, um, Justin Timberline and, and he did not want the baby. So he said, no, 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 let's get rid of this. And so he, she said, oh, okay. And off she went. And Justin Timberlake was very happy that she'd had the abortion. And Britney Spears has regretted it for the rest of her life. How many times don't we hear this, Erin? It's, it's that, unbelievable. The, oh, it is just so sad and heartbreaking. And you read Britney Spears' account in her book, and it just, it just brings you to tears. Yeah. Because here's a young woman who is faced with an unexpected pregnancy. But she says that to her, it wasn't a tragedy. It was, it was unplanned. Um, it was before she thought about having a family. Um, but it wasn't a tragedy. And, and she said that the, the father of the child thought that they weren't ready, um, that they were too young, uh, to have a, a child. And so really coerced her into having this abortion. And she describes it as the most agonizing decision that she's ever made in her life. Uh, she describes being on the bathroom floor, sobbing, wanting to uh. see a doctor. And then, then she describes the aftermath of, of regretting and um, just being heartbroken uh, over this lost life. And it's just a powerful reminder that no matter you know who you are, what situation you are in, um, that women can be forced or, or feel compelled uh, to have an abortion. And again, to go back to those statistics, the vast majority of women, even those that have an abortion, tell us that they wouldn't have done so if they would have had more support, if their situations would have been different, um, if the fathers and communities would have come alongside them and, uh, and helped them have this child. Uh, rather than uh, end its life, you know that's that's something that I think people just do not realize. They don't they don't look further than these these young women standing on the street corners. And I it was so stark after the Dobbs after the um, Dobbs decision where uh, Roe was overturned, where these young women are standing there screaming at the top of their wo- uh, voices, "We love our abortions," and it was heartbreaking. But also, you can be sure that those young women. You know, either they didn't, haven't had one yet, and, and there was two different parts. Either they've had one, but this is their way of dealing with the pain and suffering that goes with this. I, I have, you know, in, in the work that I've done all my life in, in the pro-life movement, um, I cannot tell you how many women come to me and men, Erin, and men who are devastated by the fact that their babies are gone and, and uh, by their choice, by what they've done. So it, it becomes a, you know, as a, as a litigator, as somebody who works in this kind of work all the time, you mentioned the fact in your article about the fact that, you know, so often women are speaking about the fact they, they're saying it when they get, um, uh, surveyed and, you know, interviewed, et cetera, they, they're always saying, if only we could have had somebody who'd supported us or if only we saw a way to do this. What do you say to the society, to the listeners out there? What do we do? Because oftentimes, I'm sure you feel feel the same times, we try the best we can to get those women into the right places, but I don't know. We just seem to be missing it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think there's there's two things there. First, I think we need the media and the pro-abortion community to be honest that this is a hugely monumental, monumental, uh, decision, uh, that some women are forced to make. And it's not something that should be kind of swept under the rug as an easy solution. Um, but, but 
even those who are pro-choice, I'm, I'm definitely not, um, but even those who are pro-choice should be urging uh, states and communities to provide resources to mothers mm-hmm. to help them to make uh, an informed choice that actually gives them a real choice mm-hmm. uh, to give them a, a place to stay or resources from pregnancy care centers or um, all the, the variety of state resources, but instead of championing the resources that can enable and empower women to make a real choice, what we see politicians and Planned Parenthood and pro-choice advocates doing is going after those very centers that are providing those needed resources to women. Uh, If you look at pregnancy care centers across the nation, this is a bit dated, but in 2019, um, they spent some two points, well, I'm going to get the number wrong. I think it's $1.9 million in resources. And these are tangible resources. They're not only free medical care, um, but there's diapers and car seats Mm -hmm. and not only classes for mothers, uh, but as well for fathers and and how to be um, a good dad and how to support their spouse and financial security, uh, those sorts of things, and just really wonderful services that these communities um, are being provided through pregnancy care centers. But what we see across the nation is that attorneys generals in blue states are going after these centers because of their pro-life views, they're serving subpoenas and civil investigative demands and really doing everything in their power to shut them down um, when they're the ones trying to empower women. Um, so first of all, support your pregnancy care centers, uh, support women in your community um, if you know one that has an unplanned pregnancy. And then goodness gracious, <laughs> don't make it harder uh, for uh, those in the pro-life movement and for pregnancy care centers to support and empower women. Absolutely. There's a couple of uh, 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 folks. I will put up Erin's uh, um, uh, article on on our website when uh, when we when we posted the, the, this interview up there. Um, but what I what there is a, a very interesting thing that that is beginning to happen, and and it's at the bottom of your article. There's a couple of related articles there that says your New York would force pro-life groups to hire pro-abortion employees. Oh my goodness. Oh, it's seriously crazy. And, and these are, for the most part, religious ministries. Uh, they are uh, committed to providing and empowering women uh, with resources and care um, because they care for, for those women, um, for their dignity, uh, as well as the dignity and value of their unborn child. And what uh, New York and other states are trying to do is say, it doesn't matter what you believe, what your religious views are, um, you can be forced to hire folks who diametrically disagree with you. Um, and that's something that the Supreme Court has suggested um, is unconstitutional. As a religious group, you can't be forced to hire someone who opposes uh, your points of view. Um, so I would say hope and suspect that those laws will face constitutional challenges. Um, but everywhere uh, Alliance Defending uh, Freedom represents pregnancy care centers in Washington State, in New Jersey, um, uh, really all over the country, 
um, defending them against laws like this, laws that try to make it harder for them uh, to care for women. And it's really outrageous. Absolutely. You know, I can't even imagine. Can you? Uh, it's just, it blows my mind. I mean, I'm actually a little bit speechless over this whole thing. When I saw that headline, I'm thinking, this is, this has to be, you know, April Fool's Day or something where we've got these types of things or, or you know, Babylon B article, because how can you possibly, can you imagine if we went in and insisted and demanded that we have a pro, you know, several pro-life employees inside every abortion facility? Actually, actually, that could be something Alliance Defend and Freedom, Freedom does. You could make sure. <laughs> <laughs> you can make sure that we we get inside the inside the, the, the abortion facilities. That would be wonderful. But I mean, it's it's sort of why we could see that it's never going to happen. They are actually pushing to make it happen. So this is unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. Wow. Started, as you know, right after the Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs, and Dobbs returned to the states and the people the power to finally protect life, uh, to realize that life is valuable no matter how young and how vulnerable it was. Um, it is. <laughs> and uh, states across the country are, are now doing this. They are protecting uh, unborn life. They are empowering women. And the response uh, from the left has really been uh, to push back against any organization that is pro-life. Um, and unfortunately, that has placed pregnancy care centers uh, in the left's crosshairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, some, sometimes when uh, the opposition is the greatest, you know you're doing really good work. Absolutely. <laughs> And that's certainly true of pregnancy care centers. Absolutely. You're so right. Because if, if we weren't making an impact, they, they would not be worried about us. So, you know, I, I also always say that to my pregnancy care friends who, who run, uh, facilities and, and uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, pregnancy care centers. Um, but I always say, you, you're obviously doing something right because, my goodness gracious, they really, the opposition really does not like you at all. So, you know, instead <laughs> yes. of just instead of just ignoring it, it's, they, they really are going after to try and stop us from doing the things that we can do. Um, what do you uh, – talk to us a little bit more about the, the impact of abortion on women. I know that the Alliance Defending Freedom has helped many women who've, you know, come through this. There, there is all kinds of, and I know that you work closely with several other organizations who do research and development and, and, and data analysis, et cetera. Um, women who've had abortions, what, what are the sort of things that they experience as a result of these abortions? And wh- how do we get this information out there? Absolutely. Well, there can obviously be be huge physical risks uh, with having uh, an abortion. Um, there are two main types uh, of abortions. There's surgical abortions, and that usually takes place later on in pregnancy. Um, and there are all sorts of risks that can come from that, uh, either in perforation um, at that point in ch- time um, that, that the unborn child is larger. Um, so the, the process is quite gruesome. Um, and the, the child is, is literally sort of torn apart, um, in the mother's womb, uh, and taken out. And, and in that process, there can be infection, there can be sepsis, um, there can be serious, uh, physical effects. In the second type uh, of abortion, um, it, it's by abortion drugs. Um, and when a woman takes uh, an abortion drug, the first one is called mifeprestone. And mifeprestone works, t- it's called a progesterone, which helps keep uh, pregnancies uh, viable. Um, it's a progesterone antagonist. So what it does is it 
binds with the progesterone receptors, um, which results in the baby starving to death. Um, once that occurs, a second drug is taking is taken that essentially induces a labor that that causes a, a miscarriage of the now uh, the, uh, child that that has died. And in the process of this, uh, there there are all sorts of health risks as well. Um, uh, a number of uh, times, uh, this doesn't work. Um, so between two and seven percent of women still need a surgical intervention. Additionally, the FDA's current label for abortion drugs notes that between 2.9 and 4.6 percent of women end up in the emergency room after abortion drugs. Um, this can be everything from, from hemorrhaging uh, to sepsis uh, to requiring blood transfusions. Uh, so really serious consequences and. And one of the things Alliance for Defending Freedom is currently litigating is whether the FDA's removal of just basic safeguards was lawful. So regardless of what one thinks about abortion, I think we can all agree that, that women's health should be prioritized. So in 2021, the FDA removed the last doctor's visit. This means that girls can go online in about five minutes and get abortion drugs shipped to their dorm room. I take those drugs all alone without ever having seen a doctor. That that is absurd. <laughs> uh, again, oh, for a drug that, that sends many women uh, to the emergency room. And those are just the, the physical harms. As, as we discussed uh, in, in Brittany's um, story, so many women uh, suffer grief and regret um, and, and really just sort of a lifelong trauma from that abortion. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's, it's heartbreaking. I mean, when you think of it, so many women that we've, that are now beginning to speak out about these, uh, these, um, drugs that, that they're taking and all by themselves and the trauma and, and the psychological impact that that is having. You know, I've had a couple of people talking recently about this on the program. And I mean, you think about, what is happening? And, and I'm, and I really, folks, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to get into it because it's so sad to think of where those children end up. It is so sad to think of that. And yet the FDA says that there's nothing wrong with this. They have no problems with these women being rushed off to, you know, emergency rooms, et cetera. And a lot of them are doing that. This is exactly what's happening. So we need to be, we need to start pushing back. We, we have done a, a fairly hard pushback, um, since, since the Dobbs decision. And I think, um, you know, I, I know ADF is, is one of the organizations, the, the uh, uh, legal firms that are actually working really hard to support and stand beside those uh, states that are really trying to get this, uh, to, get, to get the abortion laws completely removed so that we can protect all, all human life. I don't want to put you on the spot, but there was a very interesting article about, you know, what ADF is doing with regards to the Idaho law. Um, can you speak to that or? Absolutely. Yeah. So Alliance for uh, Defending Freedom, ADF, uh, is working alongside the Idaho Attorney General's Office to defend several uh, of their pro-life laws. Uh, one of these has recently been granted a review by the United States Supreme Court. And what the government has done in this case uh, is pretty appalling. Um, once the Dobbs decision came down, uh, the Biden uh, administration issued guidance that reinterpreted a statute. It's called 
EMTALA. Uh, it's the Emergency Medical Treatment Act. And what EMTALA does is for hospitals that receive Medicaid funds, it prohibits them from uh, not treating uh, individuals because they can't pay. So if you go to an emergency room, even if you can't pay, so long as that hospital accepts Medicaid, then this federal law requires that the hospital provide stabilizing care um, and treat you so you don't die. Um, so, so a statute that, that prevents patients, what's called patient dumping. And the federal uh, government uh, under the Biden administration reinterpreted that law to require abortions in instances where the mother's life is not in danger. So Idaho very reasonably says, hey, wait a minute, um, our law allows abortions um, or, or efforts to save the mother's life. Um, and, and just sort of a, a side note here, um, when a, a doctor is trying to save the mother's life uh, in a situation, in a tragic situation, when her life is in danger and she's pregnant, doctors do everything they can to try to save both that woman's life and the life of that unburned child. Um, sometimes that's not possible, um, but that's what Idaho allows. Like if you have that tragic situation, um, then doctors can do what they need to to save, if they can, both lives. But the federal government says that's not enough. Uh, you also have to provide basically elective abortions um, if uh, there, there's a sort of broad swath, uh, including, you know, mental or, or emotional harm um, that a physician uh, can say necessi necessitates uh, emergency care. So a, a really broad and unlawful expansion of this federal statute to require abortions that state law forbid. Wow. Wow. You know, and I, I look at this and I'm thinking the absolutely diabolical agenda that is being pushed on so many of us across the nation right now with regards to this. It's almost that there is, um, a frenzy going on within the Biden administration. Anything to do with an unborn child is fair game for their, for their laws and for their Dis absolutely disgusting behavior with with regards to unborn children. I don't understand, to be quite honest with you, Erin. I cannot understand why this is so. Why are why are they so afraid of children? It it's almost at at a point where you have to say, really and truly, what is going on here? But it's so great to know that people like the ADF to, um, are out there that we can call on you. And I know you've you've been phenomenal in Ohio. You come in very often. You work very closely with my good friend Aaron Bear at uh, Center for Christian Virtue. Um, it, it's you you are an amazing organization, really an amazing organization. Could you tell people a little bit more about ADF, just so that people know who you are and what you can do and 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 the fact that you, you're out there and you need, you know, I would love everybody to visit your website as well. Oh, thank you so much. So, so I'm so privileged to work for ADF and ADF is, I think, the largest nonprofit law firm that is devoted to preserving religious liberty. And we have a number of different um, areas in which we focus. One of those uh, is unborn life. Um, another one is conscience rights. So the 303 creative case, for example, where the website designer in Colorado was going to be able or was going to be forced by the state uh, to create a website 
website, uh, contrary to her religious beliefs. Uh, so we take a lot of free speech cases, uh, like Lori Smith's, um, and, uh, just sort of a wide variety uh, of religious liberty, uh, claims and cases. Uh, we take these for free, um, which is a privilege to do. And the area that I'm most passionate about is the one we've been talking about, uh, the life cases. And I, I just think they matter so much. Um, when we think about Psalm 139, it tells us that each of us, um, every unborn child was created by God, formed in his or her mother's womb, and has so much inherent worth and value. And I think we just need to get that idea out to the broader culture to, to, to realize the value uh, of the child's life. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Erin Morrow Hawley, Senior Counsel Vice President of the Center for Life and Regulatory Practices. She is, of course, with Alliance Defending Freedom. You can go to adflegal.org and pull up all the information about ADF and you will be very, you'll be encouraged as, as I always am, Aaron, whenever I visit your, your website. It's, it's so encouraging to see good people like you fighting for us. So thank you so much for all you do. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for what you do. Uh, thank you. God bless you lots. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Don't go anywhere. I will be back with you right after this very short break with another world-class inspiring guest. <music> 